Thanks for tuning into the Texas Family Law Podcast, where we provide you tips and insight to help you navigate divorce and child custody situations. This is Brian Walters. And I'm Jake Gilbreth. We are the managing partners at Walters Gilbreth PLLC with offices in Houston, Austin, and Dallas. And we're both board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Your hosts are broadcasting from the Lone Star State of Texas, where both have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates, both inside and outside the courtroom. Hi, this is the uh, Walters Gilbreth podcast. Uh, I'm Brian Walters. Uh, Jake Gilbreth is here with me, and um, we've got another topic for you today. Today we're going to discuss adultery and what happens that uh, there's a divorce and adultery is an, an issue that can affect both the property division and could affect child issues. It can also affect the, the reason that a divorce is granted. So really there can be three, three ways that it affects a divorce. So Jake, do you want to talk first about the kind of the simplest of those maybe, which is the, the, the reason that a divorce is granted and, and kind of the history behind that and, and what the options are if adultery is an issue? Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's something that's always talked about at the initial consult. I mean, it's, it's awful when it happens in a marriage and obviously it's a, it's a cause for divorce that, that we deal with quite a bit. And, you know, Frankly, if you read the statistics, I think it's probably half of all marriages have this issue. And then, so as you can imagine, it causes a lot of divorce and, of course, a lot of hurt feelings and can make the case, you know, more difficult or more emotional, understandably so, if if that issue comes up in the marriage and then comes up in the divorce. So when people come in, a lot of times they're asking about, you know, grounds for divorce, what are the grounds for divorce? And, you know, I'm... I think my spouse committed adultery and I want to get divorced based on the grounds of adultery. So like Brian was saying, kind of thinking back on the history of that, the reason why we have these, these, you know, what we call grounds for divorce, the most common being insupportability. That's, that's the no fault divorce. The legal term is insupportability. There's no fault grounds alleged or anything, but that's, you know, just what most divorces proceed under. Um, You can though proceed under fault grounds. Uh, the Family Code sets out cruelty, for example, as a fault ground, and adultery as a fault ground that the court can grant the divorce on. And so when the divorce is actually filed, you can, and you have the option to just plead it kind of just generally saying the marriage has become insupportable, kind of the no-fault divorce, or you can put those specific grounds in and say, you know, there's adultery, there's cruelty when you file for divorce. The reason why the Family Code has the grounds, it actually used to be in I'm not sure on the exact decade, but around the 60s or 70s, there wasn't the no-fault divorce um, in Texas. In a lot of states in the United States, there wasn't a no-fault divorce. You actually had to prove prove fault grounds in order to get a divorce. You had to prove that your spouse committed adultery, or you had to prove that your spouse was cruel. They changed that. And of course, the problem that that presented is that people would embellish or make up fault grounds because they wanted a divorce. Rather than just saying, you know, I want a divorce, you'd have to prove something awful was going on in the marriage. And so it would cause people to, you know, alleged adultery when maybe there wasn't adultery or maybe they wouldn't have brought it up or alleged cruelty to get the divorce. And so that's why legislatures started pushing and pushed for no fault uh, divorces. But that option, you know, like Brian was saying, the, the option is still there to plead it. You'd actually don't have to plead cruelty or adultery or anything to actually 
bring it up in a divorce. I mean, it goes into the insupportability. And so the case law, I think, is clear that the court can still consider adultery, even if you haven't put in your petition. It's probably good practice to still put it in your petition. But even if you don't, the court can still consider that when dividing up property and can hear evidence on that. And I guess last thing I'll say about grounds, and then Brian, I want to talk to you about kind of how it gets, how it affects property division. But, you know, people forget adultery is actually a jury question. Fault grounds is actually a jury question. You can go put it to a jury about what are the grounds for divorce. I think I've only tried that. Well, Brian, you and I tried one on cruelty last year. You know, we, we brought cruelty grounds and some other torts in a divorce and the divorce and the jury gave us a cruelty finding which then affected property division. I tried one earlier this year on adultery that the other side alleged, and I think they brought it up more trying to sort of taint the jury with regards to the child custody case. I, I actually think that was that backfired a little bit for them, but that was the strategic reason why they brought that to a jury. But that's just something to remember, too, that that's actually a jury issue on, on the grounds of it. It's not a huge issue about what the divorce, the grounds the divorce is granted on, because like I said, the court can still divide the property, take into consideration all the factors, but but it is something that needs to be decided, certainly before you go to trial and usually at the initial initial filing. So turning from that topic, Brian, how do you, when you have clients coming in asking you about adultery, how it affects property division, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think it it does. I mean, there's a that is a specific line item in the family code. I think it depends a lot on, on a number of, of factors, and these are often hard to predict at the, at the first time you sit down with somebody. I think the individual judge makes a difference who's going to make that property division decision. Uh, some, I think, are more, more concerned about that than others. I think the, the nature of the adultery can be uh, a factor. I mean, technically, if somebody's filed for divorce and then you know, they separate and a year and a half later they're in trial. Technically, if they start dating somebody you know, after that separation, after they filed, that's technically still adultery because you're still married. And that's an example where I don't think many people or judges would consider that a, a, a reason to, to divide property differently. There's a couple of ways that it that I think it could have more an effect. One is kind of the, the terms of it, you know, if it was kind of really egregious behavior, you know, that that probably is going to affect somebody more than, than like I said, a one-off or a after separation type situation. If, and, and this is a little bit different subject, but it's often related, if some money uh, was spent on this other person, that can affect uh, property division as well. So, and then lastly, if somebody's lying about it to the court, then even though the adultery in and of itself might not be a big factor, just the fact that, that they're not being truthful about it can anger a judge and then have them decide to take some action in the property division to compensate the, the person or just because they're overall upset with them. That's been my experience. I think it's changed a little bit over the years. I think it's become less of a factor over the years. Than, than earlier, but it's not a straight line and I still see it become an issue and be taken into account. What's your experience with that? Yeah, I think that's right. And, and picking up on what you said about, you know, if you lie about it, I mean, that's the, if I have a client and they're, you know, they've had an affair, then it, I, I give them the advice to just be honest about it. I mean, it's hurtful, it's painful, 
it's painful to talk about. It's painful. You know, sometimes the other spouse doesn't even know until the divorce. And then I always, but I always tell my clients to be honest because yeah, just like you were saying, Brian, with that, that it will affect things. If you sit there and you lie about it and then you get caught lying about it, one, it increases the pain from it. And then two, nobody's going to, the judge is going to punish you for that, either through attorney's fees or property division. And then also nobody's going to believe you. I did have a client in front of a jury and, and adultery wasn't an issue, but it, it was a divorce. And so it came up and he was, the, the jury at least thought he was lying about whether or not he had an affair or not. And it affected on, on custody stuff. Um, it made him less credible whenever, you know, he was kind of clearly lying about this relationship rather than just being honest and saying, look, this is, it's an awful thing that I did. I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm not proud of it, but, but it happened and, and I'm, I'm so sorry. And you move on. And that's, and that's how you address it. But yeah, on property division, I had a judge at a, on a panel once in Travis County. I think the way he put it, as he saw it, I thought this was an interesting and probably the right way of looking at it. He, he sort of said, look, you know, it, it always affects property. He said it always affects property in his mind. But, you know, when you look at the egregiousness of it, if it's an affair on your way out the door, that's, that's not right and it's not good. But that's way different than you know, the, the doctor who's having an affair for four years and not telling his or her spouse and while kind of planning for the exit. And, and as the, this judge put it, you know, this person kind of has a head start. They know the marriage is over for three or four years because they're having this long affair. And then the other spouse, I mean, because a marriage is a partnership, the other spouse has no clue that this marriage is over and they're continuing on in the partnership. And he said, then, then he'll have it affect property more. But, but you're right. It's, it's judge to judge. It's county to county. Probably more rural counties, they, they take it more seriously. Probably the more urban counties because they see so many cases, probably less seriously. But it is something that needs to be brought up and, uh, at any time there's property involved. And then that, that sort of leads to the question of, well, how does it affect child custody? And we do have that conversation with people. And I think kind of the same analysis goes. It depends judge to judge. I mean, I think probably 90 out of 100 judges would say adultery has no effect on child custody. I don't consider it. And you could debate whether that's right or wrong about whether they should consider it or not. But most of them will say, I don't consider it when deciding kid issues. I, I think that's what they say. I mean, we're all human, though. I'd be curious what your, your attitude is about that, Brian. But I, I do think, and I tell clients, is you know, the judge will tell you that he or she doesn't consider the adultery when they decide the child custody issues, but it's in the back of everybody's head. And, you know, it's not that the judge is looking to punish the adulterer or somebody who had an affair with child custody stuff, but it's going to be in the back of that judge's mind um, whenever making a decision. That's just human nature. And so, you know, it goes back to what what you were saying, Brian, though, so it's just more, more reasonable why to be honest about it. And, you know, if, if you've had the affair then say, yes, I had the affair, doesn't make me a bad parent, probably, you know, could make me a bad spouse, but doesn't necessarily make me a bad parent. And, you know, on the flip side, if you have the person who's not, you know, who has had the other spouse have an affair and you represent that parent, then you, you do talk about it and you say, you know, this person's priorities isn't, isn't there. The priorities aren't there for their child. Their priorities are out having a relationship outside the marriage while the other parents committed to the marriage and committed to the family unit. So, it's, it is brought up both ways, even with judges adamantly telling you it doesn't affect my decision. I just, I don't think that's the case. I think it affects the decision. I think, and I do think it particularly affects juries. If juries are deciding a case, a lot of times, if you play it right, 
then then it can affect a jury's decision on on child custody. What are what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's right on. And another way that it can affect is that if, if the children are exposed to this other person who they're having an affair with, I think that's right. particularly stomach churning. And especially if they're you know, introducing them as mommy or daddy or something like that, you know, the person they're having an affair with, that's really, I don't think anybody's going to consider that's, that's good judgment as a parent. And it, it starts to make a judge think, well, this person is not capable of putting the interest of their children first. They're putting their you know, interest in this relationship with this person they're cheating on with. And that's, that's never going to be helpful in a case. I think if it's a clear cut custody case, you know, you're, I, I think you're right. It's not going to make a difference, but if it's a close case, uh, these things can. And I, I think it's something we've kind of touched on with all three of these topics is I'm old enough to be, remember when it was real hard to prove adultery. I mean, you used to in the olden times, and by that I mean 10 years ago, you know, you might need to hire a PI to try to take a picture of somebody coming, you know, in someone's car in another person's driveway or, you know, or catching them, you know, together at a restaurant or something like that. It's That's not the case anymore. It's all on your phone. And you have zero right to privacy to your phone, what's on your phone in a divorce, in a custody case, or, or any kind of divorce through the discovery process. And if you think you've erased it, you're, you're probably mistaken as well. And so it's, uh, it's now become much easier. And, and I think people out of just, I don't know if it's honesty or just out of, uh, you know, self-preservation rarely deny it anymore if, it's, if it occurred, be, probably because they know there's evidence everywhere about it. So and I tell my clients that up, you know, up front, like they're going to, if they really want to know everything that's ever been on your phone, they're going to find out. So in some ways that's been helpful to get the truth out there and, and then deal with it from there. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's more reason why to just, you know, frankly, be honest about it. I mean, if you say, and I get it, I mean, people feel bad when they have an affair and, and they should, if I had an affair and they come in and say, well, I don't want to tell my spouse. I'm not going to answer those questions. I'm not going to respond to that interrogatory about what about an affair. I'm not going to give them the discovery they're asking. It's like, it's, you're now just stoking the curiosity of the other side. I mean, Brian are representing somebody and the other side says, well, I'm not going to answer questions about whether or not I've had an affair. Or I'm not going to give you my phone records. Well, guess what we're going to be focused on now. And, and you know, it really is just better. I think, you know, and tell the clients that it really is just better to, you know, be open and honest about it. And then everybody can, and it kind of stops a lot of the digging. I mean, cause I do think, you know, you can overplay it on the flip side. If I have a client that sits there and goes, look, I had an affair and I feel awful and it's been going on for six months and that's why I filed for divorce. And the other side's like, well, I want every single text message and I want every single email with you, this person. And, you know, if you're admitting to it, I think you can at a certain point, go make a pitch to a judge. It's like, all right, this is, this is overboard where now they're now they're just picking up the wound that we've already admitted to it we've already acknowledged it stipulated there's a relationship and you know there doesn't need to be this constant churning and drilling and stuff so it's a delicate balance I mean it's such a sensitive topic as is and it's just a delicate balance both ways if you if you have the person who's had the affair of, of how to deal with it but then on the flip side you know if you have the you have the spouse that was cheated on, you know, you have to, you have to know how to use that in the case to where it affects positively the case. And, you know, you get the, you know, kind of, it sounds cheesy, but you get the justice that you deserve in the, in the case, but on the same time, not overplaying it, 
not overplaying it and and saying, you know, I want 120 percent of the property now or, you know, I want him to never see his kids again because end of fair like it can it can go both ways. And so it's you have to know your judge. You have to know how to, you know, you have to know the other opposing counsel, know the judge, know how things play out on that court on either side of the case. It's not fun for anybody to deal with, but it is unfortunately something that we deal with. And it's important that that it's addressed appropriately either in a divorce or a child custody case. So I think that's probably what we have to say on the topic. You know, I think last podcast we said uh, we do a more cheery topic after talking about debts last time when we're talking about affairs this time. Maybe we'll find a uh, happier topic to talk about next time. But, you know, just like debts, it's an important thing to talk about. It's something that that comes up and we're ready to address it if it does um, on either side of the case. All right. Thank you. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Brian.